Turn with me this morning in your Bible to Luke chapter 22. Now you're well aware that we've finished our studies in 1 Peter. Luke chapter 22. And I have other studies in preparation. Not just ready to announce them yet, but we value your prayers. We may wait, of course, until September uh, to launch into a, a, another new uh, series. But in the meantime, we look to the Lord for uh, what Dr. Douglas used to call just individual uh, messages uh, from the Lord. Uh, Luke chapter 22, and we're going to read from the verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord, reading, of course, from the authorized version. Now, the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 20 
And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 22, verse 15. It reads as follows. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And I want us to think this day of Christ's desire to dine with his disciples in the shadow of the cross. So there's the text, Luke 22 and 15. Here's the theme, Christ's desire to dine with his disciples in the shadow of the cross. See, according to Luke 22 verse 15, the Lord Jesus had a strong desire to eat and keep the Passover meal with his disciples. The Passover meal, young people, is often called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Look at chapter 22, verse 1. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. So if you hear of somebody talking about the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, it's one and the same feast or meal that they are talking about. It was coming round again in the Jewish calendar. It was that time of the year. It was a big religious celebratory meal for the whole Jewish people. And from the age of 12, the Lord Jesus would have regularly attended and observed the Passover meal. It was his custom. It was also his duty and a spirit of devotion under the law of God. Remember that Jesus Christ was a true Jew. And he was full of great love to God and men. And out of his love for God and men, he would have yearly gathered with others to celebrate the Passover meal. And here we are in Luke 22 with just a, a, a few final days of Christ's life on earth. And this year was going to be no exception. It says in Luke 22 verse 7, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And the Lord Jesus told two of his disciples, Go and prepare us the Passover meal that we may eat. Now, naturally, of course, these disciples asked where. Jerusalem's a very big city, Lord. Um, whereabouts, there's loads of places that we could go to. They were told to go into the city of Jerusalem. They would see a man there, a very unusual sight, carrying a pitcher of water. And they were told to follow him. And when he goes into that house, wherever that house is, then you also go into the house. And this is what you're to say. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, that's the owner, the master saith unto thee, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And once the man had showed the two disciples the large room, then they made ready this Passover feast. And when the hour was come, the Bible tells us that Christ sat down with the twelve apostles or disciples, and this is what he said. With desire, I have desire to eat this 
Passover with you before I suffer. Now that's a very unique statement. That's really a powerful statement. It's very informative and instructive. It's amazing because it's only ever recorded once in the Bible. With desire, I have desired to do what? To eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now think of the title. Christ desired to dine with his disciples in the shadow of the cross. Notice three things this morning. It's an intense desire. Think of the words with desire, I have desired. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has a strong desire. It's something that has filled his heart and mind. It's, it's intensely passionate within his heart. The Lord Jesus is not careless or slack concerning the observance of this Passover feast. It's not a take it or leave it kind of attitude. It's not a, a doesn't matter kind of attitude. No, Christ really desired to do this. The words are very explicit. The words are very strong. He just doesn't say, I desire to eat this Passover meal. He says, with desire. I have desired to eat this Passover meal with you. In other words, it's a vehement desire. It's a passionate desire. It's an intense desire. And as I've said, on no other occasion do we read this in relation to Christ about anything else that he did. Now, I believe that the Lord Jesus was fully passionate about all that he did. He, he said, I do always those things that please the Father. And whether he preached a sermon, his heart was in it. He was absolutely passionate. He was full of zeal. Um, isn't it written of him? The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Whenever it come to offer prayer and the supplications that poured out of his heart. Think of him in the Garden of Gethsemane and being in agony. The Bible tells us he, he prayed more earnestly. He prayed until he sweated actually drops of blood. And of course, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I believe that the Bible tells us of Christ. He went about doing good and whether it was healing the sick or raising the dead, or opening the eyes of the blind. Everything that Christ did, he was never half-hearted. He was in it 100%. He lived with a very strong desire to do his Father's will. In fact, he said in Psalm 40, I delight to do thy will, O my God. And yet here he is, just a few days, Maybe 24 hours from the cross. And what has he got? He's got an intense, passionate, heartfelt desire to eat the Passover with his disciples. I'm going to ask the question this morning, and it's this. What sort of desire do we have for the things of God? Even the things that we do that are customary to us. Even the things that we do out of a sense of duty to the law of God. 
the things that we do out of love for God? What sort of desire have we got for the honour of God today? The Bible says holy and reverent is his name. The Bible tells us then that honour me, I will honour. What sort of desire have we got for the day of God? Morning and evening worship on the Sabbath. What, what kind of desire have we got for the word of God? Is it light-hearted? Is it half-hearted? Or is it intensely passionate? Like Job we say, I, I've esteemed thy word more than my necessary food. What kind of desire have we got for the Son of God? What do we really think of Christ? What kind of desire have we got for the church of God? Or the cause of God? Or the child of God. Even think of the observance of the Lord's Supper this morning. What kind of desire have we got? Is it light-hearted? Is it half-hearted? Or is it an all-consuming, overwhelming desire so that nothing else matters? And this is a mindset. This is a, a, an attitude that we have. You see... When Christ said with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, he was indicating that he had an intense desire for doing this for the things of God. And this is only one of the things. The Bible records it. And if you're a child of God, born of the Spirit, love Jesus Christ, then you should have an intense, passionate consuming, overwhelming desire for the things of God. Nothing else matters. His honour, his cause, his day, his word, his son, his church, his children, the souls of men. That's the first thing I learned. The second thing I learned was this. It's an instructive desire. You see, I asked myself this question. Why... Did the Lord Jesus say with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer? Notice it says this Passover. It's as if this one's being singled out. There was other Passovers. As I've said, from the age of 12 as a Jewish boy, he would have begun the celebration of the Passover meal. It was his custom. It was his duty. And he's already spent three years or three and a half years with his disciples. So it's likely that two or three Passovers have already been celebrated between them. But Christ singles out this Passover. This Passover meal. As I've said, sometimes the Feast of Unleavened Bread... Is called the Passover. The Passover is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's one and the same meal. So I've already said that to the young people. Now ask yourself this. What is the Passover meal? And here's the answer. It's a memorial meal of a past deliverance from Egypt. And even up to this day, the whole of the Jewish nation celebrate the Passover meal at Yom Kippur. 
the Day of Atonement. And the whole country comes to a standstill. And even in places like Tel Aviv, that's more secular than religious, many of the shops and things shut down. And families gather to celebrate this meal. It's a memorial of a past deliverance from Egypt. But it's more than that. It's a picture of what Christ would do in providing salvation for his people. And you see, this is an instructive desire because he's, he's teaching them something. And what does Christ want to teach his disciples and teach us this morning? It was this, that Christ would endure the cross for us. That, that's the first lesson. See, according to Exodus 12, there was a time in Israel's history when the Israelites were in the house of bondage in Egypt. They were under oppression by Pharaoh. Pharaoh felt threatened by the multiplication of the Jewish people. Pharaoh made them slaves. God then raised up Moses, the leader. And um, under Moses, nine plagues had come and gone. And yet the Bible says Pharaoh would not let them go. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The tenth plague came. And the tenth plague was the plague of the firstborn. Or, or, or the death of the firstborn. And in the tenth day of a particular month, the Jewish people were to select a lamb out of the flock. That lamb was to be separated for a time from the rest. That lamb was to be spotless. It was to be without blemish, not sickly. It wasn't to have any disease. It wasn't that the farmer went out and looked at the flock of sheep and thought, well, there, there's one that's going to die. I'll, 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 I'll select that one. No, it was to be spotless. No disease. And then the lamb was to be slain. And then its blood was to be sprinkled on the lintel of the doorpost. The blood was to be applied. And then the lamb was supped. Because they roasted the, the rest of the lamb with fire. They ate bitter herbs. They had unleavened bread. That's bread without yeast. And you can read all about this in the book of Exodus chapter 12. And over in Exodus chapter 12, if you look with me at the verse 11, we read there, And, this, and thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes and your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. And I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. It was the blood of the Lamb. This was to be the night of their deliverance. They were going to be delivered and saved by the power of the blood of the Lamb. A newly slain Lamb. And you see in Luke 22, as they celebrated the Passover, this Passover, the Passover meal pointed them to the death and bloodshedding of 
a slain lamb. The lamb pointed them to Christ because the lamb is a type of Christ. Remember John the Baptist speaking of the Lord Jesus said, John chapter 1 verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And if you need more proof, and I trust that you do, it's good to compare scripture with scripture, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, he was speaking of Christ. And this is what he said, For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Notice the link between Christ and the Passover. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And the Lord Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm going to go to the cross. And I'm going to suffer there in the tree. And I'm going to bleed and die. And I want you to think of me as I go there. And I want you to think of my blood shedding. And I want you to think of me as the Lamb of God. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. I'm going to shed my blood for you. I'm going to die for you. That you might be saved from spiritual bondage. Children of Israel were in literal physical bondage. And they were delivered by the power of the blood of the Lamb. But but you're in spiritual bondage. Bondage to sin and Satan. And I'm going to be your deliverer. Over there in the book of Peter, we read in 1 Peter 3 and 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And over in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, we read, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, the Lord Jesus went to the cross voluntarily. He wasn't forced to go. He went joyfully. He went intentionally. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2 that he was obedient unto death. The Lord Jesus went personally for everyone who would trust him as Lord and Saviour. He was not reluctant. Do you know he never tried to evade the cross? He never tried to get out of going. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And that cup of suffering that he was bearing at that time People read into that and think, oh, he was trying to get out of going to the cross. He wasn't. He was thinking of the cup of suffering and agony, the satanic oppression that was upon him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the devil, of course, was trying to kill him before he got to the cross. That's what he was praying about. Christ had a desire to go to the cross. And he went to the cross out of eternal loyalty to his father. That was part of the eternal covenant that he made with the father in eternity past. Christ committed himself in eternity to be the substitute of his people, to be the lamb of God. He, he agreed. This was a covenant pledge. 
It could not be broken. It must be fulfilled. And, and um, it was planned in his heart and mind. He, he promised it with word of mouth to come into the world and suffer and bleed and die. He was not rebellious to it. He, he didn't turn back from it. He didn't turn away from it. Christ desired to endure the cross, not only out of eternal loyalty to his Father, but eternal love to his followers. Why was he willing to go? We, we could think of one word, love, capital letters, L-O-V-E. The Bible tells us, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He says, I've loved you freely. That's without money and without price. Think of Paul, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think of it. It teaches us about Christ. We who were slaves to sin, with no power and might to redeem ourselves, and yet he had an everlasting, powerful, sacrificial love for our souls that he willingly, voluntarily, joyfully, personally set his face to go to the cross. And of course, the Bible tells us Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Think of the sufferings of Christ, the man of sorrows. Never doubt that he loves you. When you're tempted to doubt, he doesn't love me. When you're suffering trials, when the tears come, you're wondering, does he really care? Does he know? Does he understand? Does he really love me? Then go to the cross. And not only think of his eternal loyalty to the Father, but his eternal love to his followers. And Christ desired to go to the cross to procure eternal life for his friends. John 3 and 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christ gave his life for us that we might have everlasting life. He kept his word. He was a faithful high priest. Don't question him. Don't query in your mind. If he provided and procured eternal life for his friends, then why not receive that life? Why not receive Christ to be your Lord and Saviour? Here's one of the reasons why he wanted to observe this Passover. He wanted to, to show them that, that his desire was to go and endure all the cross, all that it meant. But he had another intention, and that was to enter communion with us. Christ had a desire to eat with his disciples. The mealtime in any family is most precious or ought to be most precious. And the Lord Jesus valued company. He valued the companionship of his disciples. He was a true man. He was a real man. A man of flesh and blood. A sinless man, yes. But he valued the company of friends. Whenever you're going through trials and troubles, when hard times come, don't you appreciate the visit of a true friend? Maybe you're in the hospital and you're feeling low and someone calls in to visit and you're cheered up. Or you're at home and you're facing the loss of a loved one and at times widows and widowers can become lonely. And the company of a friend just to spend a little bit of time. That's appreciated. They spent time with me. 
They understand. They, they, they did it out of love. When you face difficulty and circumstances, when you face trouble, here's the Lord Jesus about to go to the cross to, to face the, the greatest conflict of the ages. And what does he do before he goes? He gathers his friends around him and he has a meal with them. He enters a time of fellowship with them. His desire is not only with them, but it's toward them. That's significant. He stands or feels the need of companionship at this time. What's most important? Family and friends. Now, now bear in mind, these were imperfect men. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked three of them to watch and pray, and they fell asleep. Peter was to deny him his oaths and cursings. The rest would doubt. The rest would run away. And Christ knew all about it. He knew that one would betray him. We didn't read that, but it's here in the book. Christ knew these men were imperfect men, sinful men, prone to, to many things. And yet he had an intense desire to have fellowship and communion with them, men full of faults and flaws. And yet he knew them and still desired to have fellowship with them. Never doubt Christ's desire for you if you're his child. Never doubt that he wants to draw near to you. Never doubt that, that he wants to um, have fellowship and communion with you. He wants to bring them out of that state of sin. And he wants to bring them into a state of salvation. Imperfect men, sinful men with faults and flaws. And yet he desired to have fellowship with them. Isn't that amazing? Because he, he desires to have fellowship with us this morning. And also thirdly, it explains Christ coming to us. Why did he come? The answer's here. He says in the text, before I suffer. In other words, he was going to the cross. And he wants to explain to them something about his suffering and something about his death. On the night of this Passover, he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. He introduced the bread and the cup. There was going to be a new way of doing things now. He was saying to them, I have fulfilled or I'm about to fulfill the Old Testament Passover for you. And I want you to partake of this supper and do so in remembrance of me by faith. And you can understand more about my coming into the world and understand my cross work as you partake of this supper. As you share this meal, you'll understand about my substitutionary work. You'll understand about my blood atonement. You, you, you'll, you'll understand more about the cross. Who could really fathom or understand the cross of Christ? What can warm our heart? What teaches us about the horror of sin? What increases our love to Christ? 
Is it not to go and stand and gaze at the cross? To watch him there? To think of the man of sorrow? To think of him suffering in our guilty room and stead? This was an instructive desire. And notice thirdly and lastly, it was an intimate desire. I was struck with verse 14. It says, And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. That included Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. They were all together in one place. Twelve disciples and the Lord Jesus. And they're listening to him. They're hearing him. Their eyes are on him. They're fixed in him. They have communion with each other. Why did he endure the cross? Why did he enter into communion and fellowship with them? Why go to the length to explain his coming? That he'd come to suffer. Do you know what it was? It was to encourage their hearts. The disciples were going to face hard times. He was going to die. He was going to leave them. They were going to be fearful. They were, were, were going to say, but we don't understand this. We, we, we were lost for words. And what does he do? He draws them around him. He introduces, institutes a simple meal that's really a significant meal, that, that's really a, a spiritual meal. And he does so to encourage their hearts. Maybe you're here this morning and you stand in need of encouragement because of your circumstances, all that you're facing. And you need help. And where can you go to get the help? You can get the help through fellowship and communion with Christ. The Lord's Supper is really a feast of remembrance. This do you remember to me. And I want to say this morning, it's not an option. It's an obligation. This act of taking the bread and taking the cup, we're to think of him. We're to focus on him just as much as they focused on him around the table in the upper room. And we have been in the upper room, Rosie and I, and what a tremendous room it was. But it's also a feast of participation. It's got a, a real spiritual significance. Christ is real in the meal, not after a bodily sense. We, we reject the blasphemy of the Roman Catholic Mass. But when he instituted the supper, he was thinking of us. Here's something to remember me by. We're feeble and we're fickle. We're prone to forget. And we need encouragement and help. And we need strength. And just like the Israelites feasted on the Lamb, so Christ spiritually is sufficient for us and we can feast in Christ and all the assurance of whatever we need whether it's pardon and peace it all comes think of the cup he says this cup is the New Testament and I blood which is shed for you it's all about dealing with sin and if you need assurance that, that sin has been dealt with and under the blood then, then you can find it here let me ask this morning as we close, is Christ your Passover? Are you looking to Christ? Have you been delivered from the slavery of a spiritual Egypt? 
the world? Have you been delivered from being a slave to your sin and your passions? If you need deliverance, then Christ this morning is the deliverer. Christ is the Passover lamb. And here he is. He's got an intense desire for this. It's an instructive thing. I'm going to endure the cross. I'm going to enter communion and fellowship with you. I'm going to explain to you something about why I've come. All so I can encourage your hearts. It's intimate. He's thinking of them before he goes to the cross. And he's thinking of us today. Personally. And he wants to meet with you. He wants to be your Passover lamb too. May the Lord bless these few words to your heart and give us encouragement today.